everybody the table Jeep. this is your man cam with me as always is the nuclear scientist known as joshenheimer as well as i guess i'm the anti-ken the anti-barbie the anti-happiness apparently because everybody loved that movie wow it is the professor Wow. It's a Black Panther for white girls. That's what it is. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and we are back with our lines. So, before we start, me and D'Angelo want to give a big, heartfelt gratitude of thanks to our man Josh (laughs) for watching Barbie all by himself. (laughs) He took that bullet. You know, someone on the pod had to do it and he stepped up in a big way. (laughs) He's a man. So, he has the so josh you can give us your one-man review of barbie um so it's a lot of it's it's everything that you think it is and a lot of stuff that i don't think people realize that it would be um there's a lot of social commentary there's a lot of uh gender swapping um it's it's the d'angelo and i were talking about how you know we notice how most people, many people use the word subversive when it comes to cinema and have no clue what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is subversive in a few ways. It's extremely self-aware. Like it knows that it's uh, a merchandising movie of sorts um, and doesn't try to hide that. It knows that it's all like all the obvious things that are in the in the trailer, <clears throat> but. It also it also uh, plays on gender roles. It plays on uh, a lot of social commentary, um, and it just it's super self aware is the best way to describe that movie. Um, uh, Will Ferrell, as always, when there's a surprise Will Ferrell appearance that elevates any movie, uh, he is the president of Mo- of Mattel, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so just picture, picture that in your mind and, you know, any cameo, any, any random appearance by, and it's not a cameo, but any random appearance by Will Ferrell, like I said, automatically elevates, um, Ryan Gosling was hysterical. Like he was, he was really funny. Um, yeah, it was, it was okay on a scale of good to very good to excellent. It was okay. So just but it also wasn't for me, I realized. It wasn't for us. It wasn't for men, for any of the men listening. It wasn't for us. Um, I was telling D'Angelo earlier, if my daughter was younger, I'd probably take her to go see it. She never had a Barbie a day in her life. So she has no, she has no tether to, you know, to, to, to the brand of Barbie. Excuse me. That's not true. Actually, as a collector's one that I never let her open, that's probably worth a ton of money. I need to go look at that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, she, she didn't have any real tether to it, but I think I would have taken her to see it um, because there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of, they have an interesting, they have, they have an interesting take on gender roles and um, the world of men versus the world of women. Uh, one of the, one of the things that ends up being funny, but ends up being a theme and a message in the film is um, Ken comes into the real world, not realizing that men, but that we're in a patriarchy that men sort of run a lot of, a lot of the world that we live in. 
Um, whereas in Barbie land, Barbie, all of the Barbies run everything. Issa Rae is the black Barbie president. That to, just to give you an idea, like they, and Ken's are literally the accessory. Mm. Um, and so they don't have any identity. They don't have any, anything that they're specifically to accessorize Barbie. Message. Um, <laughs> right. And so when Ken realizes that this world operates differently, he carries many of the things that he discovers in this world back to that one. And so, you know, and so, it, you know, it's revolution. Sort of flips, right. And so it flips the idea that Barbie in land is a, uh, a female dominated society and becomes a male dominated society for the second half of the film and or second act of the film, I should say. And so, you know, it, it, it plays with a lot of, gen, you know, with a, with a lot of societal roles and, you know, there's some themes in there. There, 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 there are things in there that are very clearly for little girls and or women. Um, I think it'll hit little girls one way. I think it'll hit women another way. Um, and, you know, I think it speaks to whether you had a Barbie or not, you know, it speaks to a certain, uh, it, it speaks to certain societal, uh, pillars that we sort of stand on. Um, you know, America Ferreira has this, you know, this very lengthy, uh, dialogue about, <clears throat> about the, the expectations that are foisted on women and how, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be thin, but not too thin. You gotta be happy, but not too happy. You gotta be a boss, but then you can't, you know, you're expected to lead, but then you can't really, you, you can't lead to the point where you isolate yourself or alienate yourself from people. So it's all the, all the, the, all of the things, all of the things, all of the double-edged swords get, get it, the, the double standards and double-edged swords that women in the world face get addressed. Um, dope. So yeah, that's that's the long and short of it. I don't think I don't think there's anything more to add. Margot Robbie is Margot Robbie. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, like they did a good job of casting in terms of like the, oh, yeah. the multitude of cameos and supporting cast and all yes. that, and then the freaking marketing is insane. Uh, probably one of the best marketing pushes I've seen for a movie yes. in a very long time. Um, and they did a great job of you know. They did like a, a a Lord and Miller, you know, like they did uh, the 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 Lego Batman movie, and there's like every version of Batman in the movie. Hmm. They did they 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 did a version. Greta Gerwig did a version of that for Barbie <clears throat> for Barbie, and so there's like one offs that were like one off Barbie was like video Barbie from the eighties, and she had like <laughs> a TV in her back. Um. There was a there was Allen. I think there was an Allen doll at one point, and they only released it like one version of it, and, and that was Michael Sarah, which was amazing. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> that yeah. was so. There were bits that were just like, oh shit, like all right, I I I I, I, I get it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Um, he even goes on a little mini Scott Pilgrim tear. In the movie. <laughs> nice, got to be meta. Got to be meta. Got to got to be meta. Got to be meta. Um, yeah, I mean, it's doing well. It hit a Billy. The marketing push is insane. Like everything that's around it, the, I mean, it get, you know, know, everyone's hype about it. I'm like, it does the job. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's capitalistic in the spots that you think it's going to be capitalistic. That's something else that, you know, D'Angelo and I were talking about. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, it, um, it's a merchandise. It's, it's smart enough. The other way that it's subversive is 
it's a market for sure. It's it's built around a toy. So yep. naturally, there's going to be a branding, marketing, merchandising aspect to this thing, whether you want it to be or not. But they do a good job of not making it blatant and obvious and just, you know, this is a movie for Barbie. Make sure you buy Barbie when you're yeah. done. Go to Toys R Us or Toys R Us is closed. <laughs> Go to Target and you get your, your Barbie doll. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't as blatant as that. Yeah. No, that makes that's sense. Probably the saving grace of the movie. I think because if you because I think if they did that, you'd see I think the the, the movie going public would see through it and just, and just just you know. Yeah, just shrug and keep it moving. Yeah, just shrug it off and be like, whatever, you know. Yeah, no, that's dope. I mean, I, like again, it's. I think for the for the audience, it intended it to be. It's doing really well, and mm-hmm. I think, um, and again, that that goes to them. You know, credit to their filmmakers, but also to the marketing team of like really hitting the out the out the park with this. So, yep. it was very 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 interesting to see it. Um, <laughs> someone asked me too, like, "Oh, you're gonna watch Barbie?" I'm like, eh, "Probably not." It might not. It's not really for me. No, if I catch on HBO Max or something, if I feel like it, but I don't see myself like. And it's on. And you know, Oppenheimer might be in the same boat for me, just because like the IMAX situation and trying to get to it and all that mm-hmm. it's sold out and all it's that. Sold where, out. Like there, I was talking with my boy about going to see Blue Beetle. That comes out, I think, the 18th. There are still IMAX showings booked for the 18th and past the 18th. Yeah, I'm just like at this point, I'm like, I might, it might just be on my TV. <laughs> you, might, you might not be able to get to see Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter. It's yeah. still sold out. Yep. So and it I'm, dropped what like three weeks ago at this point. Yep, 100. percent That's why I'm like, it's it, one of those things. But um, I'm actually glad. And I think it's gonna be interesting because in the mix of all the writer strike and all that stuff. And it is kind of something that's doing well, same with Oppenheimer too, two drastically different movies. Sure. Um, but I think it's, it kind of go a testament to both the, 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 the directors and the people that made it of like, you know, for not for do being two things that aren't tied to comic books, not tied right. to the, it's still, a, you know, like I said, Oppenheimer is a period piece and Barbie is a uh, literally a freaking toy, but it's kind of a testament to them to get out of that, uh, out of our mm-hmm. current um, sludge of the comic books that, that and superheroes that's been, you know, uh, clogging up our airways for the last X amount of time. Yeah, I think the one thing it did, if anything, if I can say one positive thing about Barbie <laughs> existing, is that, you know, it this last weekend or the last couple weekends has saw a resurgence in in interest in movie going. Um, and yes. the, the numbers are proof yes. of that. 100%. And, and I think that, you know, not to hark to knock the superhero genre because it's been big business for the last 10, <clears throat> 15 more years, there is a staleness to it. And so seeing the fact that a, that a, a movie like Barbie Oppenheimer was probably always going to get a big audience because Nolan kind of has that footprint now. Yep, he's an auteur. Right. So, you know, I think that that's the the fact that Barbie and Oppenheimer two de- just radically different films, diametrically no, opposing is the phrase. Right. We're able to. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the best word for it, or our best phrase for it. I mean, they were not only in lockstep on the marketing thing, and it became a a. a a thing that wasn't a thing mm-hmm. that helped the the both it benefited both films. There was never it wasn't a um, a rivalry or a competition, and and as a, as a result, 
box office one, you know? And so um, I think that's the the silver lining. My takeaway from Barbie's existence mm. in the first place is the fact that now we see that there is a desire for, even if it's something as base and silly as Barbie, mm. um, newness in movie big in blockbuster cinema you know yeah. something that's still, like, still a hunger for original ideas yeah yeah I, mean, I would say this and mission impossible kind of like again mm-hmm. the last for the for summer blockbusters it helped bring that back where like yes. back into respect that people want to go to the theater to see these things and shout out to tom cruise who got the crappy end of this of the imax stick in all of this because yeah, he, he really tried to fight to get uh to get Dead Reckoning in IMAX theaters for longer. And, and I believe either IMAX or AMC, yeah, it was IMAX. IMAX even uh, fought on his behalf, like, yo, this was filmed in IMAX. It needs to stay in IMAX theaters for a little longer. Can't you split the time between Oppenheimer and uh, <laughs> and, and Dead Reckoning? And they were like, nah, right, so Dead Reckoning is going to sell us. <laughs> we're going to keep Dead Reckoning in theaters well past uh, the usual one week mark for for summer blockbusters, and yeah, no, no, we can't. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's probably the right move. It's the right move. I mean, yeah. oh, uh, right. with all due respect to Tom Cruise, and I, you know how I feel about him and 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 all these and his hype. But last night, action hero. With all due respect to that, you know. Oppenheimer should should have gone in those theaters over over Mission Impossible because this is the what seventh, eighth, tenth, who cares ver- version of Mission Impossible. It's 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 at this point Oppenheimer is something fresh and new. That is something that I would just assume rent on the video. Well, from what I read, from what I read, all the trades are saying that was a mistake. Mm. I, I mean, I can see that as a from a money's perspective. Oh but, yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah. Totally from all there's not one there's not one trade magazine or paper that I've or article that I've read that said that was a good decision, which is interesting. But <laughs> yeah, Oppenheimer yeah. is a way better movie. I haven't seen both. Oppenheimer is just a uh, 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 popcorn movie versus cinema. Cinema always should win out, and in that way, Oppenheimer they did the right the, they they made the right call artistically. I think for, with with keeping Oppenheimer in theaters, it's still it's still in theaters and it's still sold out and it's going to be sold out for the foreseeable future, as far as I can tell. Huh. But Dead Reckoning was filmed. I mean, they were both filmed with IMAX cameras. One was filmed seventy millimeter IMAX, so that may trump. That's not something you have every day or every month or even every year. So I can see that getting trumped as the movie experience that more people should be allowed to see over an extended period of time, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't have but from a reckoning, movie, is gonna... reckoning in theater or I would have split it, but yeah. from a cinematic, from a purely cinematic perspective, Oppenheimer is just, it, I, I didn't even get to see it in 70 millimeter. I'm still trying to get a ticket. Yeah, that's a better move. Better move for sure. Um, all right. So now that we have the return of good movies and in terms of big blockbuster movies, I should say, good is a relative term. Uh, now we turn to the small screen and the death of Marvel. 
Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know if it's a death, but it's definitely going into a, a deep sleep. And what I what I am referring to, and I'm return, referring to, is Secret Invasion, aka Nick Fury and the Midlife Crisis. I mean, the, the MCU in general is on sleep mode. <laughs> Yo, so we watched it mm-hmm. reluctantly, mm-hmm. and no, 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 don't say that. We didn't watch it reluctantly. Oh, we, hold on, we, we were looking De- forward to it. D'Angelo watched it reluctantly. Yes. Josh and I were looking, we're looking at, looking forward to it. <laughs> I, need, I need to cover all our bases here. Okay, all right, that's fair. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. Yeah, it was uh, me. It wasn't. It wasn't them. It was okay. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, you know, the first three episodes, maybe four. You didn't finish it. No, no, I'm talking about what I liked. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know what? I liked I liked the beginning. Like when I first watched it, I, it was it, it hooked me a little bit. I was curious. I wanted to see what they were gonna do. The thing I didn't like, I mean, just as I was watching it, was you know, gone is our Nick Fury of what we know, right? We know Nick Fury is a badass spy dude that gets the job done. Now we're faced with uh old aging, PTSD, kind of shaky, blah, 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 Nick Fury, and how is he dealing with a certain threat? I think the misnomer for this show was they should not have called it Secret Invasion. They probably should have called it, they could have called it anything else. And I think that would have t- tempered down the expectations of what it was supposed yeah. to be. And yeah. I think that, like, if they would have called it whatever, Shield or whatever, or Nick Fury, whatever it would have been, but, but calling it Nick Fury, I mean, calling it Secret Invasion for the history of what that name is, it made it even more of a letdown why you're watching it. Because it's been called Fury. Yep. And I would accept it all the same. Yep, exactly. You know, the, exactly. It wasn't that it was so I didn't think that I just kept asking myself why? What is going on and what where are we going with this? You know, like for for me there wasn't anything that this was building to and there was no there there. There was no there there. And there <laughs> and there was there was nothing uh that was that was hooking me in as in terms of the stakes. You know, I didn't feel like that that hu- the human race was under threat in this story. I didn't feel like there was an invasion that caught them by surprise and they didn't know and now they were were trying they were two steps behind. I mean, all those things were there, but they were there in a very one-dimensional and plotty way that again it to me it's just another layer peeled back of this new regime of of the mcu in which they're churning these things out without a second thought and not really not really building anything that is of interest and so i didn't mind if nick fury was at that stage but you know, can he rebuild shield on the ground or something? Or, you know, in, in, is there, a, is there something that he could, or could we have not started at a place that helped us understand where Nick Fury was post the, uh, the blip instead of where they started and having to do a lot of that work with exposition, because that, also is what killed this show. Is yeah, there was everything? a lot of exposition. There was a lot of explaining a lot of explaining what was going on and not showing us yep. any of these things. So and I think that's the part that was like even worse because you know I'm looking at this like okay, there's this big big threat. We can't bring in the big guns because of whatever reason. 
But so then you don't even bring in the little guns. Like you could have pulled Colson, Quake, and freaking, you know, um, Ming Na Wen's character. I already forgot her name already. It's horrible. May. Uh, May. And mm-hmm. that, that could have been the beginning. You're, 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 in, you're in shambles shield, but at least you got reliable people around you to help. Instead, it just felt like he was just kind of leaping from one thing to one thing to one thing. And at the same time, like you said, I, I was looking forward to it. I wanted to see how they were going to do it. I liked the scrolls aspect of it. It didn't feel like an invasion to me. It's just like they were just hanging out and just kind of chilling. Like there was no, there was no intimate, intimate threat. Even when they showed the, 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 the part where they had the council and then, oh, this person's a prime minister. This person's a TV person, whatever. They just didn't do anything for you. They just showed that these people are doing it there. But they didn't say like why they were there, what they were doing, what machinations was going on. Um, props to the the supporting cast; they did what they did. They did what they could with the script that they had. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because what was gravitas's really real problem with with humans? I mean, it didn't, it didn't seem like. <laughs> I told you I'm not saying that name. It's just, it's so stupid. That's the worst villain name I've ever heard in my life. Graphic. It sounds like something you cough up, but. <laughs> <laughs> hated human humanity because Nick Fury promised them a planet. And since when can Nick Fury give planets? <laughs> when has it been established on Earth that Earth is that mm. much and so powerful? I mean, I guess, oh, they defeated Thanos, so now they can give planets away. Because, well, well uh, what's funny is uh, they said, um, what was it? It was one of the memes. They're like, uh, Nick Fury and Captain Marvel are supposed to give them a planet, but they forgot, conveniently forgot the planet they killed Thanos on. Uh, what? Mm. <laughs> it's just like random plot. And then also, the thing to me was, I hated the um, Scrolls as Refugees uh, plot that was in uh, Captain Marvel. And I didn't like it because the scrolls had been as established in the character in the comics was a warlike race. That's right. the whole thing. Now, now it'd be different if they established that in Captain Marvel as like, yo, we started a war and we lost. And instead it was like, oh, the Kree came and decimated us and da right. da, da, da da. And it's like there's no no tension from that aspect. Now, if a warrior-like race is, is among us in Earth and they're out here fucking shit up, now we have some conflict. But in this one. I didn't feel the conflict at all through the whole the whole show. Yeah, because you know the theme would have been a, the what we talk about quite often, which is two apex predators sharing the same the same domain. It's right. one is gonna one is gonna eventually overtake the other, you know. And so, if they had played into that or built up to it, you know, this is, I hate that I'm saying this, this is might be one of the few times where they should have went with eight or 10 episodes instead of six because nothing was developed and everything, nothing landed, nothing landed. Yep. Yep. Even with the roadie being a scroll that didn't land at all. It was just like, Oh, roadie's being an asshole. Oh, he's a scroll. All right. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I think I differ from both of you in that I don't feel like this ever got off the ground. I wasn't, I I wanted it to, well, there's, there's so many things that were wrong with this, but you know, the first thing is just from a story standpoint, I don't think this ever really got moving. I don't feel like there was any escalation. I don't feel like the, I think you, you, you put it perfectly camp. There was no tension. There was no, there was no push pull. There was no tug of war There in, in so much as, the threat was supposed to be that the scrolls will take over the earth. I didn't feel that at all. Like they nope. just, it was like, they said it, 
and so therefore it is. There yeah. was no, there was no, at no point did you feel like that was actually a thing that could possibly happen. Yeah, I think it was too secret. The secret invasion. Yeah, you right. didn't really, you didn't really get a sense of, you didn't get a sense of the danger posed by a scroll being uh, the UN General Secretary or the Prime Minister of England or any of those, any of the people that were in uh, the scroll Council. It didn't matter. Like none yeah, of it. They didn't make right. any of those things matter. Exactly. And what was under and what undercuts everything else that I just said even more is the fact that you have an addled Nick Fury. Yeah, Nick Fury is supposed to be now. Personally, I you know we 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 could get into a discussion about the racial component of you finally give Nick Fury a, a, his own show, and here we have Sam Jackson the ultimate older alpha male and he's playing arguably the most alpha male in all of Marvel comics with no powers. Yep. And then you give him his own show. And instead of him being the Nick Fury that we all know and love the man with plans within plans, within plans, within plans and contingencies for everything and resourceful and resourceful, and hella resourceful. which is his superpower when, yeah. he does, when he is behind the eight ball it doesn't take long for him to get caught back up yep and they didn't give you any of those things instead he's behind the ball the whole all time. six episodes yeah. they stripped him of his agency and, yep. that, and that's problematic when he is a black man and on top of that there were really tasteless race jokes in that and i and you know pointing out you know, oh what, what other black man run walking around moscow fuck you maybe a few of them walking around <laughs> you know what's walking around moscow you don't know so all of a sudden they know so all of a sudden it's it's there i go get it it's astronomical maybe it's it's not but i'm just saying they harked on that joke not yeah. just that time, but another time in which there's all these race jokes. Even ta- even Talos made a crack at his skin color, and I'm like, "Bro, you green? What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't even you're not even human." And then the whole subplot with his like wife ish or something or other like that didn't, was weird. it didn't land as like it, it wanted land. to. Like I, no. I was just kind of like, it, and they were trying to make it as uh, gravitas as his name will now be called. Uh, <laughs> uh, was like almost like a surrogate son sort of thing, and his son yeah. mad at him, sort of, and like it just one of those things where like I you see what they were down. doing. Yeah, I, I there was no doing. emotion, like Josh said, like we've all said, there was none in none of these things. No, none of these things had any kind of believability. Even even the relationship between. Talos and uh, Amelia Clark's character, Gaia. Gaia. You did not believe that that it did not feel like there was ever a connectivity there. And again, it's sad because you have great actors trying to give you all in Mm -hmm. this really bad script and they're trying to do their best, but it's clear even to you can you can just see it. It's clear that they're in their minds are like, this is just not working. This is this is just not even Talos, even Talos's wife being dead didn't land like that should Did not been, land. That that should have been a thing. And um, how they explain I, it. Oh, I, Ravitas I, killed her. 
Oh, we're the gravitas killer. Who cares? We just told you he killed her. Oh, okay. <laughs> being, I thought it was show, don't tell, but you know. Kaya being on the other side with Gravik and just, you know, like it didn't matter. None of it mattered. It didn't, not, nothing that should have mattered as a plot point or an emotional pillar or a tether of some sort, none of it mattered. Um, I mean, you, and, and, you know, to, to D'Angelo's point, you know, you have great actors making make, making stuff work. I mean, the dialogue between the meetings between uh, Fury and Rhodey. I mean, those were cool, but like <sighs> those were the only moments that I can think of in the. And I mean, you're supposed to have moments in shows like this, right? Yeah, and, no, and those exactly. are the only moments. The two the two bits of dialogue. You know, the 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 Pappy Van Winkle bit. And that first good. conversation in the bar in London were the only times that I felt like, oh, yeah, all right, we, we getting some traction here. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get a little Sam Jackson, even when I'm in, I'm out. You know, even when I'm out, I'm in. Right. That was cool. That was dope. And I felt like, okay, so we're finally getting somewhere now. But then but, show us that. If you're going to have him say that line, you need show, to show us it. that. Yes. Because what we said is that even when you out, you was not even you, just you, out. You're further you out than you're a really good spy because you're further out than we thought you were. Exactly. Yeah. You can't even get a plane ride, bro. Or right. a train ticket. You like, know? what are you doing, Fury? Yeah, it was, you know, it was so bumbling. And Did the blip affect you that bad? I thought about I thought about this the other day, Cam. You know, we talked about when we saw uh Captain Marvel about how Colson and uh and Fury were just bumbling idiots the entire time through the film. And I feel like we got more of that now. Like, yeah. why? He's the direct former director yep. of Shield, the director of Saber, which is just—I don't know why they didn't just stick with Sword, but yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, and 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 they—you you addle the man. You don't make him. You don't allow him to be the Nick Fury mm-hmm. that that's been alluded to. Because we really never fully see him do Nick Fury stuff. Exactly. That was, that's say, that was my fully saw shield. Yeah, exactly. Like that was my <laughs> thing. Like if 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 it would have been better if I got uh you know a episode of him after the blip. He got back. He's doing right. his Nick Fury thing and while he's doing his Nick Fury thing, then he starts getting the shakes or whatever. Right. And at least we see the, the the I'm Nick Fury doing my badass shit. Uh-oh, this is affecting me a little bit more than I thought. Let mm-hmm. me figure out what I can do. Now I'm back in the thing. In the next episode, it's now we're X amount of years later, and you're right. He's lost a step, and he realized he's lost a step. So what do you do when you lose a step? You find people that can fill in the roles that you can do that so you have right. a team around you. He would Instead, build a network. Yeah. yeah, he would have that because, like, there you go. That's Coulson. That's May. That's Quake. Because in, in the books, Secret Evasion, Nick Fury puts together the Secret Warriors that are people that he knows he can trust to help him with this thing called the Secret Invasion. And that's mixed with different types of characters, and that this like Maria Hill, Quake, uh, a couple other ones. But it made sense because he couldn't trust Shield anymore, so he makes his own secret team to fight this uh, thing that he knows that they're actually all real people that they're not scrolls. And like that was that was something that they could have easily adapted into this on a smaller scale. Just just having Colson, Maria Hill, and Quake alone would have helped him at four. Just have a team of four. This is the I know it's not Shield, but at least I got my I got my people with me. But but that's and that's my point. Like it, there was nothing built upon. Like no. you, you really expect at this point, and it makes sense that they would. That some of these shows are used to build. Like I can't 
rack, I've tried. I've racked my brain to think about, okay, other than knowing that Kang is out there, what are we looking, what are, where are we going in these, yep. in these right. phases? Like, what is yep. happening? Like, yep. <laughs> everything feels so random and don't, and they cannot win it back by making one film and then try to retcon everything. That's not going to work this time. Yep. Because this was just like you, like you said, you could have had the Secret Warriors, or you could have been building a ground new shield that was more uh uh clandestine, clandestine, even more like you know, they're not gonna be a big organization because they tried that and that failed, but they're gonna be mm-hmm. a mid-sized organization yep. that can get shit done. Yep. Why were we building anything? That's that that in 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 telling a coherent story. None of that happened. Yeah, and I think that's that's the problem in in general. Like uh, I had to look it up, so I was curious about what actual Phase Four was representative. And Phase Four essentially is Black Widow, Shang Chi, Eternals, Spider Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Love and Thunder, and Wakanda Forever. All those are mid Marvel movies. All of them. Mm -hmm. And it's it's sad because, like you said, you can tell with the you know the phase one, two, and three, they're building towards something. They had like mm-hmm. a three act structure, just like we talked about earlier. You said it before, like, everyone has it, but I think it, what happened with phase four was they lost their actual like north star. And because phase four initially back in the day, pre COVID, pre gun getting fired, was supposed to be centered around cosmic shit. Right. That's what, that's what, that's what James yeah. Gunn was like. Let's take it. Let's go to space. Let's introduce a bunch of space characters. That will I can lynch pinch that in with my Guardians Galaxy. We in and we launch everything else. Super yeah, fun. Yeah, plan. That and, was the plan. And now yeah. once once he got fired, that plan went out the window. Then COVID happened, Thanks and then they just did a, then they just did a whole bunch of independent pieces, which is fine if you just say, hey, it's, these are going to be a bunch of independent pieces with no North Star. Yeah. You don't got to wrap it into somebody. But then they were like, no, we're going to do a multiverse. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, because they're in what? Phase six now? Phase five or six? Yeah, they're in phase Somewhere five. About. Now, so, Cam, question for you. With your carnal, carnal knowledge of uh, inside everything at Marvel, um, what do you... What What is the, the, the sticking point with not reintroducing S.H.I.E.L.D.? I actually don't know because I was thinking mm. about this before because, you know, I thought at the very least, since they did, quote unquote, destroy S.H.I.E.L.D. and they introduced sw- uh, S.W.O.R.D. and mm. was that Wanda? Yeah, um, that could have. I think to me, it would have been better. It's supposed to be supposed to have S.H.I.E.L.D. and S.W.O.R.D. Makes sense. Boom. Sure. Yeah. But S.H.I.E.L.D.'s gone. So S.H.I.E.L.D.'s gone. It would have been I, again. I would have liked even that. Nick Fury comes back. He's been working with Sword, but he's not on the same level as he was at before. He ran Shield. Now right. he's just a, an employee of Sword. And right. this would have been an excellent thing to introduce. Who? Abigail Brand. Abigail Brand is oh, now God. the new is now the new Nick Fury. So and Amelia like, Clark would have been a great Abigail Brand. And there you go. So that now now it gives more of a sense of Nick Fury getting taken down a peg. Hey Fury, cool that you ran Shield, but you're the one that got to let that shit get fucked up. So now you right. are, now you now you're on. You're, you got the motive. Now, sec- now you're second man. Yeah, yeah, you're second man down. Exactly, and it would have right. been it would have been more fun for Nick Fury running up to Sword like, "Yo, Chris Scrolls are wilding. We need to do stuff." And everyone's like, "Nah, man, cool. You don't have that level of authority." And it's him going behind everyone's back to uh, to do this threat, doing Nick Fury stuff. Exactly, yeah. and that would have been more fun because then you have uh, uh again Abigail Brand, which could introduce mutants, which could introduce also the randomness. But that but those that that gives that that opening where it's like. 
at every time in um, comics, there's always a shield type of something that's yes. around. You need yes. a human-based yes. organization that knows that all this shit is going on, and they're at some point cleaning up or figuring out how to stop it or figuring out how to police it. And, and for the listeners, uh, Abigail Brand, who we keep mentioning, uh, is basically the Nick Fury of Saber, which is what Saber is in the MCU, is called Sword in the comic books. Uh, same facility, same orbiting space station, except instead of Nick Fury running it like he does in the MCU, Abig- a character called Abigail Brand, who is part human, part uh, alien, I forget what, what race, um, uh, she runs it, and she's sort of the Nick Fury of that space station. A, a space shit. Yeah. But, <laughs> and so, and, and so they're, they're sort of on par. They kind of always, you know, whenever there's a, a joint venture, they're always sort of trying to elbow each other for um for dominance you know who's gonna who's gonna be in charge who who has jurisdiction who takes precedence whatever but it always just that alone always creates a great tension in the books yeah but you know she's a mutant so that's why cam was saying she would be the one that that she would be an easy linchpin to introduce mutants and x-men and then sort of dovetail that way Um, and, and it would be fun, too, because, you know, Nick Fury does need to get taken down a notch. If he was the mm-hmm. top spy for so long, but under his watch, scrolls happen, Thanos happen, all this other stuff. Nigga, you old. It's time for the new blood. And that would, <laughs> so, you know, Hydra happened. I mean, Hydra, Hydra is like, it's like, right. Yo, man, your resume is really bad. And like, so that would be a, to me, that would be way more fun and entertaining for the audience to be sure. like, wait, there's a new Nick Fury type character. That's a badass. That doesn't have and a, she's a woman. Yep. And she's a woman. And she doesn't have as many L's as he does. No. And, and she's sunning him at every, every uh, like point. Mm-hmm. Then now we have our, our thing. Cause now figure is trying to get his old luster back. And trying but to it get also that would be, especially if you build, building her, and using him being that who he is, it would be a great uh, one of those great um, sort of unwarranted mentorship relationships where yep. where even, despite how she might feel about him, she understands his value. And so there there that allows them to work together, you mm-hmm. know, be sort of frenemies at time rivals at, at other times, allies in, in certain corners. You know what I mean? Like. But we didn't get any of that. We didn't get yeah, any, didn't get any hint of any inkling of that. We didn't even see saber, sword, or whatever it is. Yeah. And that was a problem, too. You know, again, I know it wasn't about that, but what are they doing up there if they're not monitoring a, a, a potential alien invasion or figuring out or even aware that the scrolls have taken up residence in exactly. uh, in in an entire section of the Russia. Yeah, like you're right. telling me, you're telling me, uh, you have a whole organization that's been around for five years, and not nobody knows that there's more than a million scrolls chilling on Earth. Like what? No satellites yeah. caught. Uh, uh, humanoids walking around, living in a in a nuclear in a radioactive waste, or ships coming, <laughs> or ships coming to coming Earth and landing. Like what? Right. Exactly. Are you, are you guys? You guys? You guys are worse organization than Jedi Council. What is going on? And, and, wow. then, and then you have oh not, wow. no, and then you have <laughs> have the whole um, the president. Uh, situation, which yeah, you know, you end just a weird ending. Like now, all of a sudden, hold on now. I I could totally see a really stupid president doing exactly what he did. I could totally see that. 
I think it's just uh, there's a bunch of stupid in the show, and that just lands as more stupid. But I, I, could totally yeah, I, could see, I could totally see a really dumb president. I could see Trump doing that. Well, mm, okay, I see that's a, that's an argument. All right, yeah, no, I, no. Could, I could see that, especially if you're talking about like the reception of responding to the president representing the people and responding right to the people. I can see that. You're right. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that the device was stupid. I'm saying mm-hmm. its placement was stupid and ah. didn't really didn't really. On the one hand, you would think that something like that would be is escalation. Yes, it, right. it, it, it's escalated. It, it, went, it went from zero to 100 real quick in two it minutes. Went, it was literally yeah. like, Oh man, I'm scared. I just got attacked. To wait, Rody, you're a scroll. Oh my god, I'm scared for my life. And then the next minute, it was like, Kill them all, kill like, them all. Like, and, and and I get it. It's again, it's yeah. it's an alien invasion. He was attacked, he's feeling vulnerable, all these things. But there was just it just didn't feel like it fit into the larger world of what's happened into happen in that world. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's, I mean, it's a response the, that's not in line with the, with the world building. That's all. And, I, and I, I would say too, is like, mm. you know, even with the, the super scroll fight, like it was cool. Like it wasn't not say it wasn't cool, but it was just anticlimactic in the way where it's just like, I didn't really feel one way or the other, you know, gravitas is there. Khaleesi's mm-hmm. there, they're fighting, they're using different powers of powers that we know, which is kind of cool, but it just didn't feel like this was like this epic thing that it kind of, like there was the climax wasn't the climax. It was kind of well, just like, it happened. Let's back up for a second. It's not just that, it's what got us to the climax didn't really land either. Yeah. Like, Super Scrolls are a big, the anytime Super Scrolls show, so Super Scrolls show up in comic books, something's up. Like, it's it's a thing. Like when Shield shows up, it's a thing. When Sword shows up, it's a thing. Yeah. Super Scrolls show up, it's a thing. And I didn't and like, and I didn't like that. The one thing about Super Scroll in the comics is it only uh, the Super Scroll has four powers. Fantastic Four. Yes. Super simple, super easy. Four and powers, and there's only one of them. Make well, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Back up. Originally, there was only one. Yeah. And then eventually, in Secret Invasion, they there wound up being a whole battalion of Super Scrolls. Yeah. And I think that's what they were trying to pull from. But what made it worse was like, hey, now we have the DNA of every single MCU superhero ever. around. Oh my god, that's a big deal. Well, no, exactly. no. Did, to be fair, they did say how it happened, and that did make sense. Yes, it's not about the how; it's about the placement. It's yeah. right. it's, yeah. It, yeah. it's thrown in there. And that, again, we're talking about the Avengers here. We're talking about individuals who have godlike powers. Mm-hmm. And you're saying to me that that isn't a, a, a bigger a bigger device that should be more, that should have been I'm built imagine. up to better than just yeah. saying, oh, I got this vial sitting over here, this, this Avengers juice. Two for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> you can't call it anything other than Avengers. Like, what, are you, what are you doing over here, man? Yo, Why do you got the Avengers <laughs> juice sitting up in up there? But I think you're right wait, though, because like wait, wait. The nutcracker. <laughs> for, 
for the non-New York uh, audiences, a oh, nutcracker yeah. is a quarter water uh, container with like <laughs> alcohol and juice. Yeah, and, yeah it's uh, it, it's oh, real man. lit. Just real. Lit. They're very expensive these days. They used to be very, yeah, they used to be five dollars. Yeah. Now like fifty. Yeah, inflation, inflation is inflation is a motherfucker. Fury carrying around. Uh, boxes of a Benjamin <laughs> Nutcracker in his in his, in his spy car. Yeah. But anybody, any of us to get his hands on and become as powerful as Captain Marvel or as strong mm. as the Hulk. Like they hulked up, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Come on. yeah. And it, it just again, it was like uh, that, and you know, Gravitas talking about how like Fury would not have been nothing without his secret spies of scrolls. Which I thought was actually kind of a cool thing to add in there. Like, hey, it makes sense. If he had a bunch of uh, operatives that could be anyone, of course, you would get more information. Mm -hmm. But then it also diminishes the fact that Fury is a badass. And I was kind of like, does it make no sense? But why would you use scrolls to clean that up? Right. Anybody could clean that up. Yep. Right. Damage control could have cleaned it up. You established damage control in the in 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 the Spidey in 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 no way in um. You establish damage control. That would be their job. Yeah. yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. And they said that. And and they said that. And they would be the ones that which Gravitas would have had to go through to get right. the nutcracker juice. Right. To get the Avengers juice. So all all of none of all of it was just kind of it was just everywhere, which the way it should have been going. You know, and and that was the yeah. same thing about it. And I, I agree with that. I think also it's like, you know, I'm sitting there drawing from comic knowledge, but then mixing it in with story plotting knowledge, mm-hmm. and then right. mixing it in with TV current MCU. And like again, I'm going back to the same thing. If this was supposed to be such of a big deal, then throw a scroll in Wanda, throw a scroll scroll in and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, throw a scroll in freaking Miss Marvel. Like have and, something that's tied to all of them to make this a bigger deal. And like, so in early. that way, in that way, once again, the comic book execution ends up being better because and, and you could correct me if, if my memory is faulty, but they seeded Secret Invasion in the books two years out. Yeah, conversations that people were having that didn't make a whit of sense, and you read it and you're like, "What? I don't no idea what what I'm reading or who they're talking to." And then they revisit that conversation from the other side, and you realize that that person that had that random conversation is talking to a scroll, right. or that person is a scroll, right. or you know somebody dies, and then you know when scrolls die, they yep. revert back to their natural alien green form, and oh snap, Spider Woman just died. Oh, it's not Spider. It's not Jessica Drew. Um, not Jessica Drew. Yeah, Jessica Drew. Um, yeah, Jessica Drew. It's a um, and oh snap, she just turned into a scroll. Are there others? <laughs> yeah. you know and, and that was that was a good thing about uh, Secret Invasion because again, it was planned out. Yeah, they were like, and, they, and, and then as it started to unveil, you go back, and then like again, as a comic nerd person, you're like, nah, they could have not have thought of this two like, all the way back two years, and then you go back and read certain parts, and realize, you're like, oh, yeah, oh they shit, they actually put certain yeah. aspects in, and if you're paying attention, people weren't acting exactly as they would normally act. Mm-hmm. So again, if I'm if I'm a, the show writers for this, and I'm trying to figure out, and again, I actually agree with you, D'Angelo, like, this is the one time we I would say more episodes would have helped because instead of having to do exposition for a damn near everything, they could have showed it. Give me one freaking montage of scrolls in the last, you know, four Marvel shows. 
yo, just around. I don't care if right. you're spying on somebody, but at the very least, give me some breath that's lar- it's larger than just they, a couple spies running around. They could have told that AI that made that dumb title sequence to to do some kind of mural that is like literally all the the, the MCU story timeline and place scrolls in in those scenes, scenarios right. that we are familiar with. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Hundred percent. That's well, a that's a motion graphic thing you could done the title sequence that made us start thinking like, oh, I guess they were been everywhere. Yeah. Oh, the Avengers lining up. Uh, um, and, you know, in their cir- their famous circle, and there's a scroll over there. You know what I mean? Right. Or is there? It's a question mark. You don't know. Exactly. Right. Like, but you're you're hundred percent correct. I think they it was a missed opportunity to the best thing about Secret Invasion the book was that you really didn't know who was going to be a scroll, who wasn't, mm-hmm. and when you did find out, you're like, oh shit, and they were good about the placement of it because yes. it wasn't like at first you're like oh i hope i hope captain america is not a scroll oh maybe maybe iron man is and you just didn't know and then when everything kind of came out it actually they tried it was pretty cool but and again going back to uh our famous uh is titans better than young justice earth's <laughs> mightiest heroes the cartoon did the secret invasion better than secret invasion wow and that's a cartoon they had 22 minutes it's like yeah it's always say it's not how it's not what's told it's how you tell it and that's that's what we have here you know we could between the three of us and probably a million more and and i think if there's a strategy because the this filmmaker as well as the one from miss marvel said the same thing which is they were told to ignore the comic books now if that is the strategy going forward and that this is the result I don't know. That's yeah. strategy. That's, that's a bad strategy. You cannot alienate the base. You need the base. Yep. You need the base. Famously, one of the few times that I remember Cam actually enjoying Captain Marvel was Secret Invasion. Yep. Uh, when she takes on a battalion of Super Scrolls, yep. and basically, like they, they're like, "All right, we're gonna," because part of it is it's a military operation for the yep. Scrolls, and so they decide. Manhattan has to get taken. And if I remember correctly, Captain Marvel is the only hero on Manhattan, on the island of Manhattan. And she takes on a battalion of super scrolls, Jolo, and basically just smacks them all over Manhattan. Which makes and sense it, with her power set. And, it, and that actually adds. And again, it puts the character of Captain Marvel in a situation to show the level of power that she actually has. And, and it's so- a great story. And their stakes, because if she doesn't prevail, the you know obvious, what happens. Right, yeah, the right. obvious stakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, but yeah. also she could potentially be in danger. So yeah. you, you, you right, know, because exactly. a, 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 it's not one super scroll because she could smack a, she could it's flick a, she could flick a, battalion, a, a yeah. broken nail right. at a super scroll and kill him. Yeah, but. A battalion of super scrolls is nothing to sneeze at. And I think that's the thing that makes humanity dangerous. One of us is, yeah, but you put us all, but you get all <laughs> a billion, trillion of these motherfuckers, and you got some danger. One, you can be yeah. smart, but a whole bunch of them because there could be masses of dumbness, mm-hmm. <laughs> men in black. But yeah, I think that's the thing where it's like, you know, it, again, I, I think I have the same feeling that I had when I watched uh, Ant Man. Like, he should have lost for all the bumbling that he was doing all through this. She lost. Like the old, old Nick Fury, nah, he was not lost. This Nick Fury, 100% she lost. Yeah. He was bumbling and, the and whole thing. Bumbling, half-step, couldn't figure it out, you know, hobbling over here, like, worried about his ex-wife-ish type person thingy or whatever. And I'm like, 
This is not. Nope. Nope. You Let, let's lie. just call that what it is. Nick Fury would never be what he doesn't have attachments that you can use against him. Right. Yeah. If anybody totally. were to find out that Nick Fury in the comic books had a wife. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. And that she's a scroll, no less. Yes. He would never rap. put himself. He would never put him or so and another person in that kind of danger. Yeah. Yep. Because they'd be used. To, you know, it's the, it's it is the Peter Parker secret identity thing. Superman secret identity thing. I keep my secret so that uh, the people that are close to me aren't in danger. Nick yep. Fury does the opposite. I got all my secrets and ain't nobody close to me. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> he is the man on the wall. Yes. And I think that's the part. Again, they just almost betrayed the character for like we've we've been rocking with him for 20 years. He finally gets his own joint and he sucks. And this is what <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it, it just never again. I, I never felt the threat of gravitas. No. <laughs> I never thought. Shout out to the Gravitas actor, though. He's been putting that work. Yes. That yeah. guy, the last three years, Michael Mann. Gotta say that. He's about to do Bob, Bob Marley. Like, yo, he's he's Barbie. Been, yep. He's, he's been a lot been of work. There. That's he's his been name. putting in work. Yeah. He's been putting in a lot of work. So that's that's props to him. I think. Yeah. So if, like, this is, if this is, if any good comes from this, it'll be that he got a level up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And then well, literally that's the only good thing that came from it. And I also, I think I also want to see Khaleesi in a in a solid like TV show something. Like something good. Like I think she hasn't had anything like like good, good yet. I think there has Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there's been just a lot of mid, and I hope that she can find something that really actually plays so like because like, she's she's good. She and she can yeah. and the other good thing I would say is like her action sequences in this were actually pretty cool. And yeah, she was really good at, at that. Yeah. Uh, at that, especially having gone from a character like Daenerys, who doesn't because of her regal position isn't, and that world and women isn't really in a lot of physical combat. Right. She does a lot of standing and aggrandizing, but not a lot of physical battle. And so mm-hmm. she really did uh, look. A, a, like a believable fighter and i think that's a, especially for her size i think that's a that's a that's a a, a a big win for her in terms of the future of what she might be cast in yeah definitely um and so the last thing i will say is the way they did my girl maria hill mm-hmm. oh thank you i was just about to bring that up like the worst death in in all of the mc just mm-hmm. pointless meaningless mm-hmm. and she deserved better than that Way better. Uh, Way believe, better. I believe the term used when a woman is used to the woman, the death of a woman is used to further a plot is fridging. Yeah. She was whack. I believe that is what they did with Maria Hill. After I, COVID- I don't think I really fully got the, the, the concept of fridging until I sat there thinking like first episode, she's dead. She's dying. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, nah, she a scroll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought, actually, honestly. Like, she a scroll. There's no way that you take out a Maria Hill yeah. for that reason, for, the, for that reason to further the plot. There's yep, no yep. way you do that. Yep. Well, but also, Maria Hill would have been smart enough to not have instantly trusted Fury in the middle of all that. Sure. All things yes. considered. All exactly. things considered, she would have not have yep. just walked into that. I mean, exactly. this woman is a super spy. She was basically Fury's right hand for all that time so yep. you, you while you can argue that he would be the wearing his skin would be the way to to um to um 
get her to lower her guard in that moment, in that particular incident, no way. She would have mm-hmm. at least at least put up some kind of or or yeah. shot him or something like that or where it wouldn't have wounded him. Yeah. But also, why are you All not wearing body armor in an active uh in an active combat situation? Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly. she knows better than that. Yeah, it just, it just again, it was just a, like Colby Smulders was in uh, Jack Reacher two, yes. and she had a, a healthy amount of action se- sequences, and mm-hmm. she did really good. She's and I was great. like, and I was like, yo, let let let's get it, let's let her get that type of level of action in like a, a Maria Hill situation. She would be dope. And like, mm-hmm. I'm almost sad that it could it just this wasn't a freaking Fury and Maria Hill like vehicle for six episodes. She, she and, and honestly, I. It was an example of, of, of Frigian, but it was also not because they did not, it did not further anything. Only thing it did was just, a, it didn't. Only thing yeah, it did no, was, right. gave, was gave Fury a reason to be angry. That's yep. it. Yep. And to want, and to be more seriously want, now it's personal with Gravitas. But other than that, it's not, it wasn't, it didn't further anything. But what, and that's why I say it was a wasted death. But what's unfortunate is, there was never any escalation because that's what I thought. I was like, okay, once I realized, okay, it's not a scroll. It actually is Maria Hill. It's about to be on because you just took out, you you just took out Fury's girl, like his 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 number one. His, 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 his urgency doesn't change his his. And it his, doesn't change anything. No. Yeah. yeah it changed. It changed nothing. The only thing it did was provided a reason. They just had a reason to write. Kobe Smolders out of it and and Maria Hill out of the story. And that yeah. was and that was again the most shameful. I thought this was the the most obvious uh F you to the comics source that we've ever seen in from MCU. Like where it was just like completely went totally away from everything that is known about any of these characters, any of this storytelling, all of it, except for the cosmetic and the, the surface level stuff. Yeah. This is the yeah. only time I've ever seen them that far away from the comics that it was almost like, this doesn't even look, this shouldn't be called Secret Invasion. It shouldn't be called Fury. It should just be called uh, a, a Marvel a Marvel Cinematic Universe television story. Are we in yeah. season four? We can make out of that what we want. <laughs> Are we in season four of The Walking Dead? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, season, well, hold on. Season four of The Walking Dead. Oh, you mean in terms of MCU? Yes. No. No. We are more in season six of The Walking Dead. Ooh. Right? Because, uh. because I think that's the good things. Remember, season four and season five of The Walking Dead are arguably the best because they're not dealing with a whole lot of the highfalutin bullshit convoluted storylines. It's all about survival and the thematic elements of that. Right. But when they get to season six and they're in Alexandria and they got, you got, we have the saviors. Right. Yeah. And then the saviors, you got some stupid, like hurting a bunch of walkers and getting people killed. So no, this is, this is in that level where in that area where Things are starting to just not make sense I and being done. Well, <laughs> I mean, the MCU people should be. Hopefully, that somebody plays this podcast episode <laughs> <laughs> and they understand that I they don't like how that feels. Bro, I'm they are on thin ice, bro. They are on thin ice. I don't know how I feel. 
I don't know how I feel about that assessment. I'm marked. Yeah. I know you are. I know uh, you are. And I know this hurts you. Ooh. I don't try <laughs> a pleasure in hurting you, my friend. I, I know you don't. But this no, is don't. what it is. They are on thin ice and they are about to fall right into that black abyss of the creek if they don't right this ship. I, yeah. cringed I cringed internally when I verbally made the comparison because The Walking Dead is just way off the reservation by the that, time. That show's still on? <laughs> well, that was the feeling then. It's, it's gone now, but that was the feeling yeah. in season six. And then, uh, what? They went on for another five seasons after that. Man, and topped off at eleven. So, so again, and it wasn't a good five long. seasons. So, but Dude. they but they chugged on. I don't know if the, I don't think the MCU is in dire straits in that regard yet. But uh, I'm saying they yeah. are resting on their laurels. They are taking advantage of the fact that they that the audience has put trust in the in in the ability to tell good stories, make entertaining movies, and make us desire to either tune into a TV series weekly or go and pay $20 to, for a movie ticket. That is diminishing very, very fast. And this last effort, Secret Invasion, on top of Ant-Man 3, Thor got uh, uh, Love and Thunder, um, you got... Midway with with Doctor Strange, I yeah. think it was terrible. But at the same time, I can buy the argument that it was okay. Yep. But yep. you add all those things together, yep. and you got a real bad pattern of they are not paying attention to the right things. And I don't know how much more of this I'm gonna continue to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of it I'll pick and choose, but I'm definitely like I, I didn't watch Werewolf by Night for this reason, I, and they might have been good, and I probably missed out on something. But yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. I didn't watch uh, Moon Knight or She Hulk. Watch She Hulk. Didn't watch yeah. Cap, uh, Miss Marvel. Although I might circle back to that. I watched Miss Marvel. That was cool. I said like that it. that was good, yeah. so I yeah. might circle back to that. But you're right. You I think mean? they've they've lost their goodwill now. At the point where before it was must see TV, now we're at a point where you're picking and choosing, or you abandoned it altogether, or you're weary. I everything about Secret Invasion that I thought might be the worst part is some of the stuff that came to pass. Like, I thought Secret Invasion felt like too big of a storyline to tell the way they got planned. To tell yeah, me. I agree. You know, I oh. always thought that. And then when I found out it was six episodes, I was like, oh, this is either going to be extremely good or the opposite. And it, <laughs> and it was the opposite. And this is yeah. a podcast where we officially found out that we will never work for a Marvel studio. <laughs> <laughs> we found that out. I probably, I was, that was me a long time ago. I yeah. never Well, and it's, <laughs> you guys had a shot. I, I didn't have a shot. And what's yeah. interesting is, so Secret Evasion is supposed to start the phase five, right? Yes. The, the next one is supposed to be the Marvels. Yep. I will reluctantly see this, as we all know, my well-placed uh, hatred of Captain Marvel, the character, but my girl, Monica Rambo's in it. Yeah, I was going to say Taylor so, Paris is in that, so yep, I don't know. And Nia DaCosta is uh, directing, so, you know, I want right, to uh, enjoy Candyman. So. Candyman yep. was a really great film. She did an excellent job with that. So, so, so with that, so that with the side, that's the next one. Um, let's, let's pause for a moment and, and drink in the fact that D'Angelo actually thought a film was great. 
You don't hear that very often. In the last few years? Well, you don't you don't hear that critique very often. Now uh, you know, I don't give it out that often. Exactly. And speaking of things that he actually liked, they uh they cloned Tyrone. Oh yes. I did like that. I did like that. So as we get, we'll we'll wrap it, we'll we'll wrap it with they clone Tyrone conversation because uh, D'Angelo and I have both seen it. Josh hasn't. He'll see it later and come back with his thoughts. Um, but they clone Tyrone on Netflix with Jamie Fox, Tiana Paris, and John Boyega. I really liked it. I it was entertaining. It was fun. They did some subversion in the, in the good way. Yes, <laughs> um, of uh, of uh, black stereotypical uh, tropes, um, and they did it in a way that that made sense within the story. Mm-hmm. Um, they also did a good job of adding in the sci-fi element, so it's not too heady and not too over the top, but just in, yes. a, in a way that if I don't watch sci-fi movies, but I like black people shit, I can watch this and enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it's one of those rare rare films like that where it's it's literally i think it strives to be a black film in a time where there aren't any real black films in which when i say that i mean it's black people or i would say a a segment of our community many communities being themselves in their environment not in irregardless of not assessing themselves. You know what I mean? Mm. They're not, they're not uh psychoanalyzing themselves yep. until that point in the movie comes and there's a reason for it. It's tied to the science fiction uh uh leitmotif or plot line that's the genre that they're they're operating, the mode that they're operating in. Um but otherwise it's a really just funny, uh well casted movie. I mean Jamie Foxx's um dialogue was probably only Jamie Foxx could have played been could have delivered on that level and been in that uh been that funny in that role and not make you like because I mean how many times have we seen pimps pimp roles and that was the whole point right it's so yep. he's supposed to be the the pimp the drug dealer the hooker you know you're supposed to the, and so that was where the subverting comes in as the plot uh unpacks itself and unfolds but and i don't want to spoil anything i think everybody should watch this movie it's and it's a rare thing that i like netflix films that's another thing yeah. that i mean i don't really like a lot of this and stuff. it felt like it it didn't feel like a netflix film i think that's another reason why it was good because it yeah. just it felt like a good film and it was a black sci-fi but it emphasis on the blackness and I really mm. try to make sure that this is a black film and it's in the sci-fi genre. And yeah. here's and it's here's how we and then and then they'll do they just they they take some of the tropes and they flip it and all that. The casting was great. John Boyega does a great great job. Um, and uh, Jamie Fox same as well. He's having a, a he's having a, t- a time of his life the whole time. He's, he's yeah, he, he really was. He really was. And may I say that John Boyega proves my point that Brits can do American accents just fine. Mm-hmm. But the other way around, yeah. it, it's, it doesn't work. Yeah, it does not work. <laughs> it work. I don't know why that is. Yep. I don't know if it's a, it has something to do with the access and the training or the, the whatever, but they nail American access like accents like no other. I remember the one with Amelia Clark where she does the, the California Valley Girl uh, accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
you did the opposite, no way. So yep. John Boyega was proving my my point. It's a hollow list to how they talk that is very different. <laughs> only reason I can, only reason I can do it even halfway is because I have family from England. Otherwise, that but you know what, Josh? That's better than than uh, Joey King and Bullet Train. Oh, <laughs> oh Brian, uh, Brian Brian Tyree. Uh, or, yeah, Brian Tyree. Um, oh man, Brian Tyree. Because I, I always forget his last name. Henry. Not, Henry. Brian, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Brian Tyree Henry, yeah, exactly. Way better than than his his American. I mean, his British accent. Trust if I didn't have him from from the land from uh, I was about to say the land down under, from uh, from over the across the pond. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, nah, you're right. It, that and Benny Hill reruns. <laughs> yeah, that'll do <laughs> it. Benny Hill reruns as a kid had me had me talking in somebody in in, in a Brit in somebody's British accent. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it was a it was a good film. I think um, John Boyega is definitely putting that Star Star Wars crap behind him, and he's 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 and really he's choosing his spots really well, man. Yeah, and he's he's showing that he you know he wanted to be a part of that, but he was never planning to be labeled as the Star Wars guy or the Star Wars actor that was in it. But you could tell he wanted to be a part of that, and he was disappointed when. He realized that yo, they really are racist, and they really don't want to see a. Or if the fans huff dust enough, they'll push aside the black character and you know whatever into a menial role. But this was something that I think was good for him to continue to build on. It's it's a rarity that he has a role where he's not saying that much, where he's not the Mm -hmm. person that's doing a lot of delivering a lot of dialogue. And so it's it was, and they, that's kind of an interesting thing that the filmmakers I thought played up well as you get to the climax of the film and the big reveal. Um, and so there's only one thing I didn't agree with, it, and it was about had to do with the big reveal and and um, the 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 sinister plot behind the whole story. I'm talking vaguely because. I don't want to unpack it and spoil it because then you go down a whole rabbit hole. But let's just say that in a film that was largely about unpacking that idea of being trapped, you know, I think about um, Dave Chappelle's joke from Killing Them Softly, where he he says, he's like, you know, I went back to, he said, I went back to my high school recently and they had me to speak there. And he said, and I went back there and I told him, I said, if 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 you I said I told I looked them kids straight in their eyes and I got I said you want to be successful you gotta get serious you gotta you gotta stop blaming white people for all your problems and you gotta you gotta rap or sell drugs or play back <laughs> you is trapped <laughs> and so they call they clone excuse me they clone Tyrone you takes that small thing and builds a whole a bit, they build a whole story around that idea of being trapped in in the trap. Spaces. <laughs> exactly, in yeah. the trap, in those yeah. spaces. And that is where the sci-fi was brilliant, the science fiction was brilliant because mm. it took that and it made it feel almost it, it almost viscerally real, almost too real. 
you yeah. know, in a way that the matrix unnerves you in that idea. You know what I mean? That that mm-hmm. thought process. So, yes, they clone Tyrone definitely knocks it out the park in terms of a really good black film, a strong comedy that's just fun to watch. I think, um, you know, if you're just looking for something to to just kick back and watch, it's it's very there there's not a lot of scientific jargon yeah and i think that's the part that's what i would say like Mm. it 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 strives to be a black film first and a science fiction film second right and make sure that they really make sure it's blackity black and then they're like but there's some sci-fi shit in it and i like that they play around with that with the characters in it on some like wait need some lab coat uh uh, walking around motherfuckers like I like how they play with that. And it's like, as the science fiction starts to come out, you're like, wait a minute. And then the characters within it are like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Exactly. My, I think the funniest scene for me was they was um, the church scene oh, and yeah. David Allen Greer being the preacher. And, <laughs> oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that made me laugh because it was clearly a homage to his Role in Martin as hundred percent, and the way they shot it and the way he was doing it was the, the exact thing, and that was a great cameo. He was only in that scene, and I was like, "See, I would love to have do a film where David Allen Greer could just come through and do his thing and be like, you know what, I'm out." And it yep. just it was such a great scene, and he he killed it, and that was the, that was like kind of the the thing from beginning to end, like everybody was involved, everybody felt like they were authentically in the space, in the environment. It was a good film. It was, it was, it was simple, but exactly what you want in a three act, a three act film. And yeah, and it was a uh, 90 minutes, people. There's a thing where you could make a movie in 90 minutes and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have to make three hour episodes every but, time. But and, and, and even Barbie was two hours. Yeah. So and um I would say uh and then Tiana Paris, she did a great job too, because like she was cool because again, they had the three characters and each one brought what they brought into it. And mm-hmm. I like that like her character helped uh calm the other two down or yeah. actually actually be the logic part, right? Where mm-hmm. Bayega was more the let's I'm gonna kick the door in and shoot somebody. The the pimp is more like, eh, do I really need to be doing this? I got money to make. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, and she was more like, whoa, 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 these books I read, Nancy Drew, normally she looks around and she figures out some shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, the, <laughs> the, the, the idiosyncratic dialogue is what really, it was, uh, you know, like, again, in today's society, John, John Rago's character, Fontaine, saying when he asks, um, uh, uh, Yo-Yo is her name. He he goes. So he finally uh like gives in. He's like, so so what is it? so so what did he say though? So oh, he's like, so what would what would uh Nancy Drew do right now? But he doesn't say that. He <laughs> yeah. said he <laughs> said, well, so what would the bitch do right now? And yeah, so, like, like, that, he, he says, like, what, what would the, the detective bitch do right yeah, now? Yeah, what would the t- detective bitch do? The bitch and then she's like, huh? And he's like, bitch from your book. <laughs> and so again, we laughing not at the obvious uh Whatever misogynistness, uh, yeah, yeah. but just the phrasing. fact that phrasing, yeah. but just the fact that the writing of it and execution acknowledge a space in which that would not be uncommon to be yep. said. Sure, exactly. you know, uh, and so it's not saying it's not trying to censor the environment. It's allowing these people 
these human beings who, yes, they they say these things, but that didn't mean that he was, you know, feels that way about, you know, women. In his way, that is how he refers to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're yeah, showing that's that. And that's the, cinem- that's the cinematic aspect of yeah. it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what right. makes- there is a segment of society you say. There's a segment of society that absolutely does speak in that in those colloquial terms. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, I, and they, I think that's a good idea. The dialogue was done really well and the, and the performances as well because they made it, again, it, it felt lived in. And so yes. it wasn't a par- it wasn't a parody of black people and how they talk. Yo, nigga, blah 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 blah. We right. actually had conversations of like if someone did it was authentic. Yep. Yeah, and and references to the things that black people do, like like one of the one of the scenes that hala- that made me laugh was when they're going back down in the elevator and uh, John Boyega is framed with John Boyega standing in the middle, and then you got. You got um, Tayona Paris to his left and Jamie Foxx to his to to the right, and I don't know which one started it, but one of them started break broke out singing "I'm Going Down." <laughs> that is absolutely start harmonizing and singing "I'm Going Down," and then the other one joined in, and the whole time. Boyega, who's supposed to be like this tough drug dealer that never smiles, never laughs, it's just like. It just has like this scowl on his face, <laughs> but you can't help but just laugh because it's like, how many times, you know, how many takes did that take? How yeah. many takes did that take? And how many of us can relate to that? Where like somebody, well, you're doing something, and then one of your friends will break out a song based on something that you're doing, and yep. then. <laughs> And, and always, always, always the tough guy, straight man. And I think that's what I, was awesome because it made it uh, relatable to black culture type stuff. Yes. Whether you're from the trap or not. And right. Like, they did. Make, they made it sure that they dropped in little nuggets of black culture that uh, did, wherever wherever you're from in the United States, from, and you're in black culture, you have some type of a connection to those little things. So they that that to me felt like in a lived, authentic way. They had some interesting cameos. The the plot reveal and all that stuff was also pretty well done. Yeah. And so it's like, again, it's like it, it was again, it's a good example of an original story telling it, telling it well, like you said, and and getting to a good conclusion where you get to the end, it's satisfying. You smile, you're like, yeah, I like that. And they also yeah. in the from the business side, franchise and branding side, they left it open to do more things potentially with th- with those same yep. actors and and yep. and whatever and you know again hopefully I don't know what his recent health issue was but hopefully Jamie Foxx gets well and that they will be able to do a few more because they made a good team yeah, great they, they were they great, were great great team and I think the you know I watched the um, the Jamie Foxx's other Netflix joint uh day shift or whatever the vampire one Oh, that's the one and yeah. again, it's one of those ones where now this and this one to me feels way more Netflixy, if you want to put it that way. Mm. Uh, high concept, shot pretty cheaply, entertaining, and like there's you know there's the lore of it and the kind of overall thing was like kind of interesting. Great, uh, great supporting cast with the uh, Snoop. Snoop did a good job. Um, but again, it was just like here's the concept. There was a good world building of how they did it, and it was executed pretty solidly. And in the ends, and I was like. If nothing else, I think Netflix is is starting to bring in the that B level quality of movies yeah. 
where they're entertaining, but not on some like this. This not a franchise. It could be if they want to, but it's tell a good story first. Let's yeah. entertain you, and then you can move on with your life. And so yeah. I think like that if they can if they can kind of stay in that in that pocket for a certain set of movies, then they'll have something I think in terms of a consistent thing. Where it's like, because uh, Jamie Foxx did the other show, uh, was it Power or Power something? Oh yeah, the 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 superhero one. Yeah, and that was yeah. same thing. Project Power. Project Power. Yeah, horrible name, but you know, <laughs> solid story. You know, got in, got you out. You know, decent performances. And then, and then again, I think if they can keep in that realm, where if they're gonna greenlight projects that are in this level of stuff, cool. Then it's the dumb shit where they get that they throw in like you know. Uh, they they just throw money at uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds or The Rock and be like, "Yo, man, what are you doing right now? You you we got an extra 150 million just like laying around. You want to or or the director that shall not be named? They throw him money too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So scale of one to ten, this for me for for they clone Tyrone. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a solid eight. I will give it an eight and a half. Whoa. Um, I took a five. Uh, I was gonna give it a nine, but I took uh-huh. a whole half point off for, and I could discuss this was spoil, so I would discuss this with you off air, off uh-huh. the pie, or next time after you see it. Yep. But, yeah. but um, mm, I know. Eight, I think eight and a half out of ten is fair, and I think it it actually is way higher than I've ever ranked anything from this. Yes. <laughs> my eyeballs popping out of my head. Yeah, man. It's so, I, I, again, I, and I like it because again, black director, <laughs> black writers, black yep. cast. Like they did, they do, they did a good job. Like I think huh. we need more of this, and I think I hope people really go see it and really embrace that because I think they did a they did a good job and to the point where like I almost wish if it could have been in the theaters in a different climate of right now. I don't know when mm. they would release it, like. Summer blockbuster, nah, maybe like a spring nah. or like a yeah, fall. February. I yeah. would think like a fall or spring. Yeah, release uh, would be would do it well, but it could also do farewell in the holiday season because that's usually around the time where a lot of films that's like like black focused films usually generally yeah like are releasing around around well that. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, like. Like even the best man holiday surprised me when it was it came out and it was like this was like a fifteen year sequel and it made like a whole lot of money. Yeah, yeah. But I I hope <clears throat> I hope if nothing else, this gives other studios a little like eyebrow raise of just like oh you know original concept black director black writers put 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 a little put a little uh, money in in the in the in the jar put a little money in the jar because we need yeah. we need more of these types of things we need more original stories and we need more uh, black black creators being able to get uh, back. I know I, I have a couple friends that's, that know the writers from it. And they said it was, a, it was like a six, seven year journey to get this made. And so, I'm not, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, there, there a lot of the, the best stuff have those kinds of lineages where it starts off here and then five, six to 10 years later, ah, the golden egg has been laid. <laughs> yeah so interesting 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 but um yeah man what's you guys uh final words because i mean you know i'm I, we, we, we're ending on a happy note that's what i you know we barbie in early then we sandwiched it in with the little secret invasion and then we end on some positive uplifting black people stuff that is called producing <laughs> <laughs> a block b block c block uh I, I i'm i guess i'll go first i'm just stunned that 
that D'Angelo gave an eight and a half because his eight and a half, his eight point five is my nine point five probably. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm probably gonna watch it as soon as we're done. Yeah, nice. It's a good listen. It's a, it's a good film to. It's a good final word, and it's a good film to you know kick back, like I said, and just check it because it goes by. It's not like you don't. You're not like you know. I told you the, the test of a good film is when you don't have to look at your watch, or you're or you're not looking at your watch, or your truth, or the time checking the time. Truth. Um, but I think my final word. I'm just gonna go a different route. Um, I recently finished the video game Star Wars uh, Jedi Survivor. And that was fun. I mean, that game, there's a mode, and I, I this wasn't on the first one, but it's on it. There's a mode where that dude, oh, it's after, remember I told you uh, the, the Vader thing, uh, Josh? Yeah. Um, so it's after that where he finds his master or whatever, and mm-hmm. that boy goes full dark Jedi. They let oh. you, they they tell you, they like, yo, press these buttons and, and unleash Kyle's, Kyle's dark side. <laughs> really? so yeah. it's a choice or you you have to do it for the first thing you ha- first time you have to do it um but you don't you don't have to have to do it like you could but it's the sequence is set up so that you do it okay. he's like after he goes into that mode like doors like bolts are shut force power just like pulling the doors open like chasing chasing down this dude i was like yo this is they got some sequences in that game that's just like it's they're mind-blowing like they just they just put you in a in a whole nother um space of gaming but that's my final word star wars jedi survivor and the storytelling is much better than 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 anything that the sequel movies did (laughs) and um I'll look forward to hopefully seeing Kyle Castus in uh in in a live action show. Somebody pointed out recently that there was a cameo by his droid in in um in the Mandalorian uh BD BD1 w- was in um that one woman shop when he went to to go try to get a new droid or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's interesting because that would be here we go with time and stuff. <laughs> like trying to, it's like trying to, trying to like hold sand in your hand. It just never, won't, never, won't never, track. It never, so it never, never lies up. It never lies up. That's supposed to be set years after the video games, right? Because the mm-hmm. video games are set literally at the height of the empire before, before any of the the original trilogy, um, and so. And the Mandalorian is set after, after the Return of the Jedi. Return yeah. of the Jedi. So, so at that point, Cal Kestis would be more of a grizzled. He would be much older than he is in the game. So, it would be interesting to see if they do try to bring his character in, or if he survived. I think they're waiting till they do the third game, and then if the third game is like a hit. And they'll probably keep him alive and put him in the, the live action because he's a good character. Yeah, they should just might as well just give us on TV so, show. This also yeah, slides like the idea of us uh, ever working on uh, Star Wars. We should <laughs> talk Marvel. We should talk Star Wars. <laughs> so basically, just no Disney. Got it. Okay. A24 all day, son. See, I can, live, I, can, I can live with that, Josh. I don't know if you, if you, how you feel about that. You might have to use a pen name. 
that's, yeah. that's real. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, use the handle, you'll be fine. Pen, pen name. Uh, yeah, that's all. I don't that's know if I want to exclude myself from, from either of those, but um, <laughs> yeah, so I would say mine is so I've been catching up on my comic book reading of lately. Uh, took a took a long break from the X, the world of X, because it was all over the place. And just recently, in their recent how Hellfire Gala book, they uh, threw a curveball into all the stuff they've been doing for the last uh, three, four years, mm-hmm. and in a good way and a bad way. I think it kind of gives me the same type of feeling that I felt uh, on some parts of it for Secret Invasion, essentially. For those not in the know of the X of recently, X Men have their own country. It's called Krakoa. They have, they, you know, mutants can come and go as they please. Blah 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 blah. They the last four years of tranquility, they've been doing some crazy shit. Awesome, kind of kind of awesome. Definitely new than anything you've ever seen for any X nerds. Anyways, Hellfire Gala is this uh, big ass show that they do. Everyone dresses up. They have com- comic uh, fashion designers design different uh, looks for all the comic characters in it, and they've done it for four years. It's actually a pretty dope concept. Smart in terms of marketing. Anyways, um, at these ones, they always uh, um, pick a new X-Men team. So every 12 issues, you have one team and another 12 issues, you have a different team, which I think also is kind of cool. Uses the breadth of all the characters they have in X and mutants and all that kind of stuff. Flips up a little bit thing. It leads to interesting stories. Anyways, they pick the team. It's like um, Juggernaut and Jubilee, Dazzler. I think a couple other characters no one knows. Iceman, Iceman Prodigy, Frenzy, and Cannonball. And usually they have the, the the hero shot, right? The full page, everything. Hey, these are your new X-Men. Woohoo! And then all of a sudden, Nimrod, which is the kind of like the most OP uh, Sentinel, crashes right in the middle of it and kills like half of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because two things were funny. It's funny. I'm sorry that Nimrod, because I've heard of the, of the Sentinel Nimrod, and every time I hear the name, it just makes me laugh because the idea of his having that name yep. and being that powerful is just hilarious. So, I love yep. the irony. It it, does, it 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 harkens back to uh, ancient times. Nimrod, not Nimrod. You're an idiot. No, 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 oh, no, yeah. no. I I know that too. Okay. But I'm saying okay. it, you get both. I know that it's going back to that. I just I'm just saying that I like the idea of thinking about both in that regard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I mean, it's kind of funny either way. And so, anyway, so he kills half of them. Another thing too in X Men that's been happening, another trope that they've done, which is we don't got to get into it, but um, they figured out a way to resurrect each other, each uh, X Men in a proper way. Before the running joke is an X Men never dies. You know, Jean Grey's dead; she'll come back ten years from now. Uh, Colossus dies; he'll come back in three years. But this one, right, and they, they actually, lean all the way into it. Yeah, so this time they lean it into it. They have a whole process of how to. Um, resurrect people after they die. So these last four years, different X-Men have been getting killed in these missions and then they come back, which is kind of interesting. Anyways, they stop that process from happening. So when this happens, they kill, yeah, they kill Dazzler, Jubilee, two black characters that are kind of minor and Cannonball. And then luckily X-23 and Sync or two other characters are off the screen. Juggernaut doesn't get killed because it's Juggernaut. And then that starts a whole like big set piece. So in this set piece, they kill off Iceman, quote unquote, and they kill off Jean Grey, quote unquote. And as I was reading it, I was sitting there and it was like, I've been reading X-Men since, I don't know, I was six. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, does anything shock me anymore from a comic book standpoint? And I think 
in this regard, it was a little bit of a shock, but it also wasn't that much of a shock where, you know, you, you just killed a bunch of B-level characters. Kill a kill someone on the A list that we know is going to come back. That's I probably going to give me an A lister. Yeah, but even his is just like she is an A lister, but she's always dying. <laughs> so again, going back to the real stakes, the real stakes of stuff that we always talk about. You know, D'Angelo says it's like I like what they did is because uh, Exo were riding high on the last four years of kind of positivity and all this around the randomness. Mm-hmm. They do another thing where they get rid of another chunk of, of mutants and then so now we're left to like i think like 20 or 25 so at least at the very least in terms of stakes and consequences we've, we've narrowed we've kind of got them back to being on the run and kind of where they're actually interesting and so i think that part is good we have a different inter- i'm curious to see how it all plays out cool. and i think now i'm almost more interested to see how they're gonna write how they're gonna do it because i think one of the big things for x-men is they always have really big um ideas but the execution is always lackluster and so I think that's the thing. I'm we're curious to see how they how they land this plane, but at least they've gotten out of the little bit of the rut that they were in this past year with a lot of these X Men stories. So I have two questions now. Uh, a, how does Nimrod get gain access to Krakoa? Yep. One, and then two, isn't Cannonball an external and therefore immortal? That was 20 years ago. We don't talk about that now. Oh. <laughs> Wait, did you say external? Uh, do you uh, mean yes. external? Eternal, eternal. Or is external or really external? external. Uh, I thought it was external. Um, he's the same one as like Gideon and Selena. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I'm. Just, I, that was like a legit question because yeah. I thought it was like a, it was a mistake. I didn't know if it was real. Yeah, it's external. Know, external. external. Yeah, he's external. Ex- yeah, yeah. yeah, they're external. They're, yeah. There's a I'm, group I'm, of mutants that are. Uh, have immortality for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was. Uh, yeah, and Cannonball is supposed to be one of those. Yeah, I'll, I, so, I, I don't know how they're gonna address that over the next books. I'm curious to see, but um, but yeah, and it's just interesting because I, I wish I'm almost like what would have made me like be more invested, like killing ice, killing quote unquote Iceman and Jean Grey. Okay, but. Killing a bunch of B-listers at in the way they did, which is like gross and you know, it was like splat and all kind of thing. And then Nimrod goes to town against a uh, juggernaut and whoops his ass, which is like, which is which makes it kind of cooler. Like, oh, all right. let me so, ask you something in terms of because that's kind of a thing with like all comic books. So like where where characters come back in different arcs and everything. So what becomes the emotional investment when you know that? some of these things ultimately don't matter. It depends on the character. Like, right. say, for instance, Jean Grey is a great example. Jean Grey, they killed her off, as usual. She died. Mm-hmm. But, but when they did this past time, she was gone for a solid 10 years. Okay. Like, and to the point where I almost forgot that they had killed her off. Because, like, mm-hmm. and what they did, to, to Marvel's credit, is they allowed the writers to use Cyclops, the character who was very uh, linked with Jean Grey for right. what they did, to uh, actually grow as a character. He okay. started dating uh, with White Queen. Emma Frost, started, yeah. yeah, Emma Frost. He started to be more of a Magneto and less of a Professor X. Like okay. they really started to like. So now the consequence of her dying was Cyclops is off the rails doing doing some random shit, and that was kind of yeah. dope. But okay. then I, and then I think when they do the, then there's other ones where like when it happens, you're just kind of like, all right, we all know like. Like they kill off Wolverine, you know he's coming back in the year. We'll see you later. We'll be exactly exactly. years. And and, and which? How long was he going for? Um, I think he did about two years, something like that. 
And to the and to their credit, when they made uh X23, Laura uh Wolverine, those those stories were awesome because she is not Logan at all. <laughs> and they made that painfully clear, which made it better because now she's a different type of Wolverine, which is awesome. And that's the point. You want to might want these characters to grow. And I think a lot of the legacy characters get stuck in their in their tropes and they don't allow them interesting stories to kind of take. And so that's part of the reason why I can't read uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man anymore, because there's so many other spiders that they're doing more interesting th- stuff with. And they're still making Parker the bum on the couch with the hot ass girlfriend. Like what? But that's that's the that's part and parcel due to the fandom. too. Yeah, that's also part of the fandom. 100 100 percent. Not allowing to, your, your favorite characters to grow into something different. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. and so I, I'm, I was I was pleasantly surprised with this iteration of X-Men these past five years because it had been a mess for almost 10, uh, maybe more. And and then uh, they had a good two-year run of cleaning up all that mess. So I'm really curious to see where they go with it. But you're right. I think when you have, when you know all these characters are going to just like come back or some to the aspect of it, that's part of the reason why a lot of people really like Invincible, the comic, because Mm. the, the whole book is about consequences. He right. throw, in issue two, he throws the scientists into space. Issue seven, you see the scientists' uh, bones fl- still orbiting this or orbiting the earth. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah, because he would have burned up. Yeah, into high orbit, right? He yeah. would die quick, though. He would pretty, he would uh, die quick. But you know, it's it, this and is all this is all wildly interesting because Cam had to. Tw- had to twist my arm behind my back to get me to read uh, the current iteration of X-Men and I kicking and screaming because I was like, yo, it was good where it was. They were just fixing it. And he was like, nah, bro, I'm telling you, you gotta like, you, they did Hickman did a reboot and I was like, reboot? Why? Just calm down, bro. You gotta just, I'm telling you, you gotta it's a process and I think you gotta kind of trust the process where he's going and sure enough it took a million years to get there but when it got there it got there and it's been good the little bit that I have read since that reboot it's been pretty it, first of all it's an incredibly intellectual reboot incredibly intellectual um, and that's not something I've been able to say about X-Men since I was probably a teenager uh, but yeah, man, what the, I, I trust it. I trust the whole process because if that because if they're doing that, that means that they're angling towards where things were going with powers of X. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think that's why I think the again is having a plan, having a North Star and going towards that North Star and giving, and you, I, and and giving, giving chunks of the end before you get to before before you even get there. You have no yeah. idea how they get to the 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 hundred year thousand year. Uh, arc that they that they that they lay out for uh, for X Men, but this is the beginning of that. And so I would say uh, the last thing I'll say is, no, I went too long. But um, they so the whole thing was to give you a really grief is essentially um, one of the characters uh, super not superpower mutant power is they can reset the timeline, and so when they die, they reset the timeline, and then they they can they you know remember everything from the previous one. Yes. And so it's, it's kind of cool. That was the kind of the trope. That's, that's basically how it starts, which is so interesting. Something new I haven't seen before. But anyways, in leading up to this whole thing I just told you about, um, Sinister, with his machination that he always does, he's been he's the one that helped uh, design the system to bring mutants back. And so with, by doing that, you know, he 
experience on himself all the time, has makes clones of himself, blah, 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 blah. So anyways, he's made three clones now that are actually really, really powerful and completely different from them. And so he actually puts that power of uh, resetting the timeline to himself. And so he knows that the because he's been on he's been part of the whole X-Men Mutant Council. Everyone knows they're gonna betray he's gonna betray him at some point. And so they're all just waiting for it to happen. So this is the moment. So he basically goes in, kills Professor X, tries to kill somebody else, and then they, they kill him. So then the timeline resets. He's like, shit, that didn't work. So all right, how am I gonna do this? All right, I'm not gonna kill Professor X. I'm gonna kill this person and this person. Boom, gets caught again. Damn it. All right, let me figure this out. <laughs> so he does this every single time up to the sixth one. And he figures it out. He injects his personality and his genes into the cloning process. So he kills four of the X-Men, Professor X, X this, Hope, and Emma Frost. But when they get reborn, they're born with sinister genes. And so now that makes them more eviler because sinister is nasty. That's what it is. So he takes their personalities as in the sinister assholeness, and they go on a tear of basically becoming supervillains at this point. And so he doesn't get killed, but now he's now he's happy because he's like, ha, I got you. They fast forward 10 years. Now they've taken over the whole planet. <laughs> and Minister is actually now neutered, neutered now because they don't need him anymore. So now he's pissed because he's like, oh, I got everything I want, and this is not the way I want it. Then they go a hundred years later and they kind of go from that thing. So it's really interesting. But again, it was another small concept idea, and then I thought it was done pretty well. The only thing I would say it was a little bit too short, but anyways, it was something I'd never seen before, had consequences, and it was actually a pretty interesting, satisfying ending. Um, and I think one of the cool things it ends with is it ends basically a thousand years in the future. Sinister finally figures out a way to find his machine so he can reset the whole timeline because he wants to get back to what he was trying to do. And before he gets to do that, someone shows him his actual future in other multiverses. Because since this whole thing is he wants to be God, he wants to be a, a beyonder type level of, of a character. And the person basically shows him, hey, man, all your machinations, you're never going to get there. And here's here's your future. And here's all the other ones that everyone else that tried. So everything you're doing is pointless. And that's when Sinister kind of starts almost crying because he actually he realizes he lost. He's like, it's not me. It's going to be my clones. It's going to give you guys problems. But you guys are locking me up. But um, again, it was one of those things. Nice concepts, some consequences, and introduce some interesting characters. And I'm like, this is what this is what next X Men needed: bold ideas, bold stories, mm-hmm. and again, just telling good stories with all these characters. You have literally a thousand characters you can play any story with. I think that's you can kind of do. So, um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how they come out. You know, I'm gonna figure out a, a comic book review type situation pod at some point. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. We'll get this. It's it's uh, inspirations for the future. But uh, once again. Thanks for everybody rock with us. It's Blurred Lines and we are out. Oh, yeah.